are so excited that you joined us for worship. Our pastors and church family are praying that the favor of God will be on your life and that this word will help propel you into greater purpose. We hope that you are blessed by the following message. You've got to be prepared and you cannot show up to 2018, a 2017 version of you. You've got to submit to a process where God has the ability or you open your heart for God to work some things in you to be able to get some stuff up out of you. Are you understanding this today? God is having a conversation with the Israelites and he's talking to them about evaluating or assessing where they are. Let's talk about evaluation for a minute. Many of us do not like to evaluate because in order to evaluate, we have to remember. And there's many places in our lives that we really desire not to go back to. We don't want to think about it anymore. We want to hide it. We have created uh, uh, storage spaces in our soul. We have created storage spaces in our soul where we have put up stuff, memories, and we've locked them inside there, closed the shed, and locked it. Walked away from it, never wanting to see it again, because the fact is, many of us never submitted to the healing process from the memory. So the reason why you don't want to remember it is because it still brings you the same sting from the first time it ever happened to you. But this is why we've got to be people of his presence. Oh, God. Because when you're in his presence, he will deal with the pain. You, some of us have had, have had pain, but it's been wasted. It's been wasted pain because you never evaluated because you didn't want to remember. You never really looked at what was you supposed to gain from that. All pain brings power. Doesn't matter if it's pain you initiated. Doesn't matter if it's pain God allowed. All pain brings power to your life. But if you never reevaluate, if you never pay attention to what the process was all about, you've got wasted pain. Wasted problems. Wasted processing. Because you never evaluated. So then how, apostle, do I get to the place where I can remember without the pain? I've got to become a person of his presence. If you're not a worshiper, you're not going to survive 2018. You'll be here. I'm not saying you're going to die. But I'm saying spiritually you'll be a wreck. Within your soul, you're going to be so jacked up. And you can't decide, ooh, January 1, <laughs> my worship life going to the next level. Yes, ta-ta-ta. No, 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 friends. No, 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 no. You got to shift now. And if you shift now, you can get into the place and the posture of worship. So as you arrive into your new year, you are able to handle the pain that was once there. Some of you, it is childhood pain. Some of us are locked at five years old. But if you can go back to that place 
and evaluate how that got there. What did God want to get to you? What was he trying to place inside of your life? You can receive power from it that can not only transform your life, but will transform the lives of those that are around you. Evaluation is key. And many of us don't like evaluation because of the fact that we only like to hear the stuff we do good. I was telling one of my sons this week, I was correcting him about something, and immediately he began to tell me what he did good. I said, that's what all y'all do. I said, do not tell me what you did good. I want to talk to you about what you didn't do good. But some of us, it comes from a place of wanting to be accepted, feeling like correction is rejection. When you haven't been really loved until you've been corrected. You got a false version of love if everybody around you just kisses your behind and never corrects you. So, so you've got to have, you've got to have the process where you're willing to evaluate because Jim Collins, I love him, he wrote a book called From Good to Great. And, and in the book, the concept is that if you're focusing so much on being so good, You'll never become great. And the only way you can become great is to be able to look at the places where you're not good. Okay, okay. I know you did all of that well. I don't want to talk to you about what you did well. You've got that. I need to deal with you as God is using me to form you about what you didn't do well so you can go to the next level. I am not your mama who used to put you in the corner and not let you talk for the rest of the day because she corrected you. I don't have a rod or a belt to beat you with like your parents did. Correction is love and love is correction. I know you're good. I want to talk to you in your evaluation process, not just about your victories. Because most of you spend a lot, a lot of you, I should say, spend a lot of time in your victories. So much that you miss your next victory. You're on pause in one victory you had in your life. God did such and such, and you've been living there for 10 years. I remember that one day the heavens opened and revelation came to me and I gave that one prophecy and that lady was falling all on the ground and she was weeping and crying before the Lord as if that's the goal. Weeping and crying before the Lord and my God, I, I know I hear the Lord. You heard the Lord because you got one word? I don't want to talk about the times when you hit the mark. I want to talk about where you missed it. Because if we can get rid of those areas, we can move from good to great. I'm trying to give you the courage to evaluate. Y'all didn't hear what I just said to you. It takes courage to evaluate. It takes courage to look yourself in the mirror. That's why many of us don't read the word. Because the word is a mirror. <laughs> if you're really reading the word right, you start reading the word, you'd be like, Lord have mercy. Jesus. Father, I am a man with unclean lips. Among the people who are clean, the coals of heaven come upon me. 
You get into a place where you're like, God, I need you to help me. When you start reading the word, are you getting this today? So God is having an evaluation conversation with with the children of Israel. Let's go to to verse 1 of Isaiah 58. Let's go to verse 1. You rocking with me so far? Yeah, we're going to become great at a whole nother level. We, as a people and we as individuals, are moving into new levels of greatness. How many of you believe that? Bible says, cry aloud, spare not. If I had time, I would. I don't. Keep moving. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people, not what they want. Now, I wonder what they are. Tell them, tell them their transgression. I got them keep moving. And the house of Jacob, their sins. Mm, the Bible says, real quick, confess your sins. See, some of you messed up because you think the only place to confess your sins is above. Now, we don't have the power to forgive them, but we have the power to keep you accountable in them. <laughs> so when you stop at only, this is just free, didn't got nothing to do with my message. But when you stop at only confessing your sins above, you miss out on the accountability on the earth to make sure you never return to the sin. Let's move. I have a lot to say. Um, verse 2 says, they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness um, and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Let's pause there. Why have we fasted and you have not seen? Here we go. We're going into evaluation. The, the, the best way uh, to evaluate is to ask the right questions. To ask the right questions. And uh, uh, Isaiah, God, children of Israel are going through this discourse of asking the right question about this whole idea of their fasting. Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, here he goes, in fact, in the day of your fast, this is God speaking to them, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Whole different conversation. Let me say this. Because as we go into year uh, 2018, we do corporate fast. You don't corporate fast and find pleasure in it. How are you still full on a fast? How are you full? How are you finding the most favorable items that you can eat and pile them up and call it a fast? When you are not even at any place dealing with yourself. Yes, in the new, in the new year when we do a 21-day fast, we do have eating days. But why would you go to a place and fill up and still satisfy the thing you're supposed to kill? Um, so he, he, he goes on to say, he said, let's talk about this fast. You know what the conversation ended up being concerning this fast is that God was showing them that they ended up doing things routinely. 
And because they did it routinely, they lost the power of it. Right? I talked to you about that last week. Remember, I was talking to you all about checking stuff off your list and how sometimes we feel accomplished because we check stuff off your list because we checked it off. Uh, let me give you an example. Some of you you, you, you set out to clean your room. Okay? You set out to clean your room. And you clean. This is what you did. You wash. You fold it. But you never put away. Just walk with me. Wait, just walk with me. But you feel accomplished that you started. I'm going to show you something. You feel accomplished. You're like, man, this stuff been piling up here for days. And I finally washed it. I finally folded it. But here's the problem. You never finish. It is just an example of how many of us travel through life. We're happy that we started. You spend eight hours at Starbucks writing, all you got is a paragraph, and you feel accomplished. Are you in here today? So what are you doing by routine? What are you doing in your life? Just happy that you're doing it. Have you ever, I talked to the prophetic team about this yesterday. Have you ever just really traveled somewhere, right, and don't know how you got there? You just arrived, right? We've all done that. Where you just arrived there and you were like, whoa, I don't remember nothing about this drive. I don't remember stopping in any lights. I don't remember. What happened? You do it automatically. It's a routine thing. So some of us, our serving God or our manifesting our destiny on life uh, has become very routine. Some of us are here today out of routine. We just wanted to check this off our list because it makes us feel good that we went to church. We might not do nothing with what's coming over this pulpit. We might not do nothing with what's being said. To all of my note takers, you know how many notes you have that you've done nothing with. I mean, notepads upon notepads, note files in your phone upon note. You've never gone back to those all year long. You've taken notes in almost all of my messages and never went back. Are you getting this? Is it routine? See, we don't need to be in routine. I told them something yesterday. If you look at the church of Antioch in the books of Acts, I'm not going to finish all of this. It's going to be a part two next week, so I'm just going to take my time and let him lead me. Is that okay with you as we go through this? If you look at the book of Acts and you see the church of Antioch, they had two types of individuals working together. They had the prophets and the teachers. A matter of fact, when, when Barnabas and Saul, uh, and Saul were getting ready to be sent out into ministry, the Bible says the prophets and the teachers came together. Why is that important, apostle? They had revelation here it is. And application. When revelation and application work together, we can move into the place of fulfillment. Many of us, we like practicality, but we don't have any revelation. Many of us have revelation, but we can't stand nothing practical. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many words you got from God if you've done nothing with them. 
you know, I believe in the prophetic. Obviously, I'm a prophet. Our church is a prophetic church. We, we give opportunity for that. But why get in the line if you did nothing with the last one you got last week? I'm just asking. I'm just, I'm just giving you things that you can write down and ask yourself later in your time with God. So he says, you've gotten into routine. Here's the question that you need to write down. You need to write this down. What are the routines in my life that God wants to kill? This is for you later. You're going to do work at home later. But I got to give you some stuff to take home and do work with. What are the routines in my life that God wants to kill? What are they? What do they look like? What am I doing? Really, because some of us say we can't stand. You know, we love to say, especially in modern churches like ours, we're not religious. We, have, we just want a relationship with God. But the truth is, you religiously think bad thoughts. You, you know, you know, I don't like traditional churches, but you, you traditionally say stuff you have no business saying. So we can, we can talk about, you know, certain parts of organized religion and how they respond and how some churches on Sunday were all white, nothing wrong with it, uh, you know, and, and that kind of thing on first Sundays. You know, some of us, if you came into some of the places where I come out of, we, they surely were thinking the culture's not saved. From the pulpit all down, way down, we are just, in their estimation, not saved at all. Because of tradition, and oftentimes we look at people who are in certain traditions and assume that we're better. Your traditions just differ. They're not better. Evaluation. Where have I fallen into routines and just moving into, and God wants to kill it? He goes on um, in this conversation, verse 4 says, Indeed, you're fa you fast for strife and debate. So the, in other words, the thing that I've called for you to do, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. The thing that is actually supposed to help you, you've moved into doing it, you know, to be seen. He said, he said, he said to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. So he's like, you're doing something that you should be doing to bring breakthrough to you, but you're really doing it so you can be heard. Remember I told you some of us are stuck in five-year-old us? So, so we are in a, situations in our family where we were not heard. So we've been fighting our entire life to be heard. And any time that somebody puts parameters around you, you call it prison. When people put structure around you, you call it control. And it's because of the fact that you feel like if there is some type of parameter or structure, nobody wants to hear me. That's your rejection talking. Um, so you've got to move to the place now where you say, you know, I, I want to do this. I want to I evaluate where I need to shift just so I can obey God. Just so I can follow his plan. He said, let's move on. He said, is, is, it, um, is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man afflicted soul? Is it to bow your knee and your head in a bush? 
and a spread out sackcloth and ashes. Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day of the Lord? Is this not the fast I have chosen? Now he goes to tell you in the evaluation conversation. In the evaluation conversation with God, he's going to begin to not only show you, show you where you need to change, but he's going to show you what you need to do. How to live out and what the purpose is of what he wants you to accomplish. Are y'all rocking with me today? So when you're evaluating and you're going through, because I'm not telling you to do this alone, I'm telling you to do it with God, and I'm telling you to do it with leaders over your head. Notice I did not say pals or friends. Because sometimes pals and friends, they just want you to be their friend for so long, they lie to you. I just want to let you know, some of you, your friends are just the biggest liars on the planet. That's why when you get to places where you get corrected or get accountability, you're confused because everybody's been lying to you till you got here. You're great, you're great, you're great. Ah, not really. You're average. We don't like to hear that kind of stuff. No, God says I'm great. Who told you that? He said he loved you. He didn't tell you that just because he created you, you were great. Where? Where? Show me the scripture. He said we were all beautifully and wonderfully made. That doesn't mean you're just you're walking in greatness. Sometimes you need somebody to look you in your face and tell you, you looking mighty average this morning. anybody in here I thank God for my leader who has looked me in my face and said Sherman no your love walk at certain points in my life journey as a pastor especially in the beginning times I've told the story before I had one instance where I was so mad at Giovanni Holloway she's like one of our kids directors and I was so mad at her. I had given her some really good directions that were from the Lord, and she did not follow it. And back then, I had a really hard time. I mean, I mean, it's way more than you may think I have now. A really hard time with processing the fact that I told you to do something, and you didn't follow it. I had a problem, a real problem back then, okay? And, and I remember being in the car and my wife telling me, Sherman, you have a problem. I said, I don't have a problem. <laughs> I don't have a problem. I know what you're talking about. I mean, I got really pissed off. I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. You need to mind your business because you don't know what you're talking about. She said, Sherman, you can't even be in the room with the girl. It's true. Giovanni will walk in the room. I will walk the other direction. See, I'm just going to tell her myself because you want to act like you're not average in some areas. It was years ago, for some of you that want to just find fault in me and say, I knew he did that kind of thing. That was four years ago. So if the cameras weren't on, I'd give you something, but I'm not going to do it for, for everybody that went somewhere in your mind. So, this is not too real, too raw. This is my message, so let me stay focused. Um, I, I, di I did not want to be around her. 
She would come in. I would go the whole other direction. She said, I did not want to see that girl. We got in the car. We were in L.A. My wife calls my pastor, Dr. Stevenson, gets him on the I didn't even know. I get in the car. He's on the overhead in the phone, on the car. I'm like, hey, Sherman. Hey. hey. How your day going? He's like, I'm good. How are you? I'm like, I'm great. He's like, well, that's not what your wife say. I said, oh, really? <laughs> he began to tell me, in essence, that my love walk had become average. And if I could not win with Giovanni, I would not be able to win with the thousands of people that he was sending me. Y'all. So I had to go through the process of dealing with my own rejection because the truth is that I felt like because she didn't receive my revelation, she rejected me. So when I saw her, I was faced with the fact of people running away from me like my dad did. And I was reliving it in my 20s. But if nobody ever told me I was average, son, I would have never been able to live out my greatness. This is so sobering. So what comes after evaluation? Write this down. Realignment. Right? Because remember, it's not just good enough to receive revelation. I got to have application. I got to have application. So, so once I receive the revelation, now I've got to apply it and I must realign myself. I got to align myself with the plans of God. And as you go on through Isaiah 58, it begins to tell you what God will do when you realign. He began to tell them, if you realign, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to bring some things to pass. Some stuff is not held up because of devils. It's held up because you refuse to realign. It's not the devil. You're, you're not even, come on, y'all. Some of us have never even said that type of yes yet to have that kind of warfare. That's not, you know, the hell is after me. No, it's not. No, you're in partnership with hell, some of us. So hell is not after you. Hell is not after you. Stop saying that lie. Hell is not after you. Some of us, some of us, it's true that hell is really not after us. Think about it. Think about it. We do what hell asks us. So why would hell take us out? When it can use us. Some stuff is the war within and your refusal to realign. I didn't expect you to run around hollering and scream on this one. I really didn't. I knew it would be sobering. Just receive. It's good. Now, what did he say to them? What is this whole conversation about? What is fasting? Fasting is self-denial. So in essence, he's saying before you become a restorer of the streets of the well and before you become a repairer of the breach, you have to embrace this aspect of self-denial. Okay, I'm going to say something that's worth writing down. I want you to write this down. I am not that important. <laughs> Y'all don't like me today. 
What do I mean by that? I, I, I mean, obviously, you have importance in the world because some, you know, some of you getting rejection flows strongly around these parts sometimes. So immediately, you're, I mean, did he really just say that to me? I know I'm important. I'm talking about in comparison to the king's agenda, you're not. <laughs> I'm going to go even further. According to the king's agenda, you're disposable. The king is not going to stop his kingdom from moving forward because you don't want to come in alignment. He replaces you. Ask Saul. King Saul didn't want to come in alignment. He's like, okay, while you're on the throne, I'm going to send the prophet over there to Jesse's house and get your replacement ready while you still think you're in charge. According to the king's agenda, you're disposable. Not saying to die. I'm saying what, what his purpose is. I got to make it clear. What his plan is in a city, in a place, or a thing. He is not depending upon you to get it done. If you say no, he'll find somebody else who says yes. And he's not slowing down because of your no. Some of you don't realize he has 12 replacements lined up behind you right now. Are you getting this? Self-denial. So when I understand that I am not the, the main thing, the world does not revolve around me. Heaven is not making its decisions based upon all the things that I want to do or not want to do. I'm not stealing the aspect that God loves you. I got to keep balancing it out because I can hear it in the room. I am not stealing the part that you know you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm not stealing all of that. Okay, you're good. Okay, I want you to be great. Self-denial. It's the way of the kingdom. It's the way of the kingdom. Spirit of pride will grab you to have to have the attention. Something I said in two different gatherings I was in yesterday is that it's amazing how God gathers all of these wonderful creative people, entrepreneurial mindsets to this place. And I was in prayer and I was really seeing that thing the Lord was showing me about 2018, 17. He said, son, did you see how I did that? I gathered all these kinds of, of creatives and entrepreneurial types from all over into one place. Are you seeing this? And I said, yes, sir, I see it. He said, can you also see that most of their priority is to make their own name great and not my house? Is this on? When you're really submitted to the kingdom, you follow what God told you to do. I'm telling you that. Follow what God told you to do. Some people are, are in a season to build a great brand and to do all of that. I'm not taking that from you. Please do not let the devil get in your head while I'm trying to get the gospel to you. Because I feel it in here. Please. Please. I don't know why you want to sit in a message where you got to fault find a preacher. It's at least three of you in here. Don't do that. Just listen. It is important... That you understand that, that, that it is not okay for your focus with your gifts to be totally towards you. How can you be so great out there and you're not an ounce of great in here? Jesus. 
How all of a sudden you got the plan of the nation to make money and you haven't even sown anything or brought your idea to his house? What did the wise men do? They came and dropped their gifts. Y'all don't want to work with me in here. At the feet of Jesus. I'm going to take a little bit more time, guys. Uh, uh, to the feet of Jesus. That's what they did. They came and dropped their gifts at the feet of Jesus. The, 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 the key to really become a boss is to be developed in another boss's work. Are you getting this? Some people don't feel like they can, you know, I'm not important. So some of you felt like you've been serving in this church for years, and I'm going to say this because we're almost at the eighth year, and i got to help you. You've been serving in this year for, church for years and feel like a failure at life. God, this is going to be strong, but it's going to be good. I want to kind of realign you because I want you to realize how could you have been sowing and making something great to reach the world and not recognize your part in it and allow the devil to tell you that you have no success. And part of us, the reason why we feel like we have no success is because your name's not in lights. The only time you feel affirmed is when your name is on it. Sherman, you teach it in here today. The only time you feel great is when your brand and your, why you got a logo and you haven't even learned how to speak to people yet? Why you got a website and you live in the land of offense? You really think God's going to bless that? Y'all can look at me like that if you want to. I'm going to teach anyway. It is important that you realize. Are you getting this? That you realign to get this. So what does that mean? Self-denial. 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 I, I made decisions in my life many a times where I said, you know what? It's not about me. It's about the kingdom's agenda. It's about the kingdom being moved forward. And I got to really start to measure as I go into 2018, what am I doing for attention? What am I doing for affirmation? Because I can't find it anywhere else. And what am I doing that God really told me to do? We are living by the affirmation of a like and a comment. You have better days when you have more likes. It's in here. You have greater days if you have more comments. Oh, y'all in here? You've got to realign. Somebody say realign. After you evaluate, you got to realign. Then you've got to really embrace this whole self-denial thing. I'm going to get out of your hair in just a second. Let's go back to verse 12, and then I'm done. You guys can come now. Verse 12, then I'm done. The Bible says, um, those from among you shall build the old waste places. This is after we have really, you know, we've evaluated, we realign. 
we're really, if we step into this whole self-denial thing, okay, he's dealing with it in a fast, in the context of a fast, but it's applicable to every area of our lives. Are you catching the revelation through this? After we have done these things, he says, this is what's going to happen for you. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You, everybody say you. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. <laughs> and you, everybody say you. You shall be called the repairer of the breach. The restorer of the streets of the well. And watch this. God's not doing it. <laughs> you are. God's, God is not doing it. You, you cannot do the I'm waiting on God game anymore. You restore. You repair. You rebuild. You reimagine. You do it. And as you do it, change comes. What is a breach? It is an opening or a gap. Opening or a gap. Question for you. Let's start at your life before we start at the world. Where are the gaps? Write that question down. Where are the gaps in my life? Where are the gaps in my life? Write that down. Where are the gaps in my life? Where are the breaches? Because God has given me the mandate as I step into what's new for me, as you step into what's new for you, to repair the breach, to close the gaps. When you're in war and there is a wall around the war, you've got to be aware that where there is gaps is room for the enemy to get in. Gaps, breaches, are hiding places for demonic influence. Gaps, breaches, are places where your enemy slips in. I know what you can see. I want to talk about your blind side. I know what you're aware of. I want to talk about what you need somebody to come alongside you to tell you. Got my wife a new car, a brand new car a couple of weeks ago. And when we were in her car, you know, the sensor goes off when a car comes into the lane next to you. And the Lord began to talk to me one day and he said, Sherman, you need the type of people around you that are censors. I don't know how God talks to you. He deal with me with that kind of stuff. I'm just riding in a car uh, trying to have a good day. And this is the way he talks to me. He said, he said, you need the kind of people that are censors who can see what you don't see. <laughs> you can't just want people around you that always agree with what you see. That are always amen corners. You need somebody to come alongside you that can say, oh, it's something over there you don't see. Breaches. Gaps. You're called to be the repairer of the breach. Nehemiah chapter 4 gives us another beautiful picture of the rebuilding of a wall or walls. The repairing of breaches, gaps opening. The restoring of ruins. And they had a technique 
as they were rebuilding, restoring, refurbishing, if you will. They were doing it again. Everybody say, doing it again. And as we do it again, and I'll give you the revelation here in a minute, but as we do it again, I want you to know he's going to have you make it better than it was before. Nobody refurbishes a house and makes it look exactly how it was. I mean, at least there's a, uh, a new paint on the wall, even if it's the same color. You understand what I'm saying? It has the ability to make it vibrant and what was come alive and it looked different. It looked brand new. Could it be, church, that God wants to make your 2018 brighter than anything you've ever seen before, better than anything you've ever, I feel it today, anything that you've ever seen before, God wants you to restore, reimagine, rebuild in your life. What did they do? Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 17 says, that not only did they build with tools, but they had a weapon in their hand. <laughs> in one hand, they had the tool, glory to God. And in another hand, they had the weapon. Ooh. So it's not just about working. It's not just about restoring, reimagining, rebuilding, refurbishing. I have to be at the place where I'm ready to work and war. As I close the gaps in my life, I've got to be willing to put the work in and war at the same time. What does that mean spiritually, Apostle Sherman? Worship is war. Prayer is war. Reading his word is war. And if you're not doing the things that you need to do to protect what you're building, you'll go back to the same cycle of it being in ruins again. I don't want to just do the work. I want a war at the same time. I'm about to move in worship. I'm about to move in prayer. I'm about to move in devotion to God because what he's called me to do will not last for just one generation, but it will go from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation to generation to generation and it will live beyond me because I made the decision I will repair the breach I will repair the breach told prophets and prophetic people yesterday we're called to be watchers called to be those who are watching on the wall and one of the words for 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 preserving is the word shamar in Hosea chapter 12 verse 3 the Bible says that Israel was brought out of Egypt by a prophet and by a prophet they were preserved. That word there is the word shamar. Means, it means to not just, just preserve by way of making sure it lasts, but to war on the behalf of something. I, I told them yesterday, what we are building as a people this thing called kingdom culture, 
and also what we're building personally in our lives, we've got to become generationally minded. We are called to preserve this so that our grandchildren's children can live out this thing the way, bring me James. Somebody bring me James real fast, please. Somebody go get James and bring him to me. Is he crying? He good? James. 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 Will you come to possible? You okay? Come into this. Hold him, because he, hold him, stay up here with me. Let God, mommy, hold you. Amen. You usually like me. Why you do that to me on the stage with all these people? And the other time, you smiling at me. I, you should have got August. This is so silly. Y'all are so, our church is so petty. So, so listen, it is important. It is important that we build this. As a matter of fact, bring him on the stage too, Trajay. It's important that we build for his grandchildren. We, we got a bill for his great-grandchildren. But most of us don't see life like that. <laughs> we all focus on where we're living right now and what we're doing. But God says, I'm the God of Abraham. Good God Almighty. I'm the God of Isaac and Jacob. And some of you are only concerned about getting your ticket to heaven. That you don't realize that you can't just be focused on making it into the pearly gates. You've got to be one that stands on the wall, good God, and preserves a thing so that his grandchildren would have a place to call home, a place to worship, a place to be. Eight years ain't nothing, baby. This church must last a hundred. I know you think Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but this church needs to last 200 years where his great-great-grandchildren can worship in the place where we built and we restored and where we worked and warned. Not just as a corporate man. Maybe your business. I know I'm on y'all about your brands. Some of you legitimately should have some right now, okay? So be free. But while you're building, is what you're supposed to build? Are you building in a way where it dies with you? I don't care how people talk about me and say this concept of sonship is foolishness and how much I don't really mean it and, and how it's all a game for me to get attention. I don't care what people say out there in the world. I really don't. Because what I know that as long as I build successionally, what God has called me to build will never die. Because I build for August. I build for James. I build for my child that's in my wife's womb. I build for them and the generations that come behind them. Listen to me. Here's a prophetic charge that God has given our house. It's build for the generations. Build something that will last. And it's only going to last if you close the gaps. It's only going to last... If you repair the breaches, thank you. 
Come on, lift your hands. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for sobering us up. Thank you for speaking directly to where we are. (laughs) Thank you, Father, for creating a space for us to gather together and become great with one another. Care what the devil says, we are a family. And I thank you, Lord, that you're raising up a people that not have church together but change the world together by finding gaps around the world. I will be a gap stander. I will be a repairer of the breach. I am committed to doing it by any means necessary. I will close the gaps in my family. I'll close the gaps in my city. I'll close the gaps in my nation. I will become what God created me to become. Thank you, Father. We hope that you enjoyed this message. We would love for you to come worship with us here again at Kingdom Culture Worship Center. We are all about being real people, serving a real God, and changing lives. Have a blessed week.